This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. it was the fine or if it was uh damian lillard hopping in the comments on his ig live <laughs> or maybe he took a refresher course in chess and realized that if you ain't a king a queen a bishop a knight or a rook that makes you a pawn they, the pawns are useful that's why they on the board i don't know what that's it was right. but uh kyrie irving uh broke his brief media boycott uh earlier today check it out Come on, man. Y'all got to do better than that. <laughs> you got to tell me when we ain't got it. Like the, the <laughs> 20 second timeout. 20 second timeout. I said the only thing I want off the top of the show is the Kyrie Irving sound. This is, That's all I said I wanted this is, was the Kyrie Irving sound. This is serious. So, this so, is serious inside baseball. That's what I said I want. I said I want the Kyrie Irving sound off the top of the show. We come in earlier. We come in early in the show. Not there. See, that's what Kyrie talking about. You got to be there. Bam. I need you. I need you where I need you. Post up. I need you on the elbow. I need you. I, Kevin I need, I'm running point, guys. I'm running point guard here. I need you in your spot. I need the ball where I want it. And I need you in your spot. We'll play the sound in a second, apparently. Okay. You hurry up. We'll play it in a second. Michael, he broke his silence. All right. He broke his <laughs> silence. Uh, your initial thoughts. I don't know if you've heard it. I've read it. He said it, the, the pawn thing was misunderstood. Uh, or yep. misconstrued, that he wasn't calling anybody pawns. Um, what did you think of the fact that Kyrie actually spoke to media, which we should hear momentarily? Okay, this is what I, I think about Kyrie. You remember at the beginning of the season, Mike, you said, beginning of the football season, you said Cam Newton is the most fascinating person in the NFL for you. This was way back in September, right? Yeah. This is before they even yeah, played a game. Yeah. You just thought the, yeah. the idea of, of Cam Newton going to the Patriots and playing for Bill Belichick and how this was going to play out was fascinating to you. Kyrie Irving is that guy for me uh, in, in 2020-21. And I'll tell you more after we hear the sound because we got the sound right now. Boom. We do? Eureka. Oh, we saw, I thought we had that. You know. <laughs> Come on. Oh, you know, I thought, I, you know, I misunderstood it. But anyway, uh, he is that guy. He's that guy for me. This is this is this is a case of the Mondays. Are, is this the Mondays we're having here right now? Is that what we're doing? No, no, that's is, all right. Is we're doing this case no, of the Mondays. But, okay. But I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you why he's he's that for me, because he is clearly trying to, and I and, and I don't think it's clear yet what what he's trying to do, but he's got a vision for his own career, Mike, and he's got a vision for his own storyline, his own narrative, and nobody 
outside of, I think Kevin Durant truly understands what it is. And he is trying to make sure that happens. Like everybody, some people are still confused why he left Cleveland. Okay, he's past that. Why he left Cleveland with LeBron. He didn't want to play with LeBron anymore. Came to Boston. He was excited about going to Boston. Then he didn't want to be there anymore either. So I just want to know what's going on. I want, to go, I want to know what's going on with Kyrie Irving because he sees something. He sees something that is, is greater than anything that he's experienced in his career. I think that's the basketball side. And I'm also curious to see if he keeps, he keeps capitalizing art. I'm not going to be a, a grammar geek and say stop capitalizing that. But he keeps capitalizing art when he, sings, when he sends out these statements of, hey, enjoy the art. This is about the love and peace. Enjoy the art of basketball. There's something basketball-wise that he's trying to accomplish, and I think he's trying to find something uh, away from the court, and I wonder if they will connect. You know, so uh, about five, uh, up until about 10 seconds ago, I was annoyed. Up until about 10 seconds ago, I was annoyed at the fact that we didn't turn around inside baseball, that we didn't turn around the Kyrie Irving sound from I don't know how long ago it was for the, for the beginning of the show. But actually, it's rather apropos. It's actually rather fitting. And the reason it's rather fitting is because I honestly don't care what he said. And I honestly, I honestly never cared even coming into today. I didn't care if he didn't talk to us. So it's actually kind yeah. of representative of my feelings on the matter that wasn't scripted. But the more I thought about it, it's like, who cares what Kyrie Irving said? And who cares whether he talks to the media or not? I know fans don't care whether he talks to the media or not. I can tell I you that much. How many fans do with, care? With, with a, with a I mean, fans do. No, they don't. Because if they want to hear from him, they can log into his IG Live. Or they could follow. Hold on, Gary. They could log into his IG Live. Or they could, um, you know, follow him on Twitter or anything else. I mean... I know that fans have never been sympathetic toward us as members of the media. Right. Oh, I get that. To people not cooperate. Right. That, that's basically what I'm getting and, at. But generally and sometimes speaking, I'm on their side. Sometimes I'm on their well, side. I, I get that's, it. Sometimes. But, but, even, but even whether Kyrie Irving, you know, whether he looks at us as pawns. And by the way, I didn't take offense to it because, number one, hit dogs holler. I don't view myself as a pawn. I don't consider myself a pawn. But if that's how he looks at the media in general, all right, I guess there's probably something to be said for it because we're all part of a larger machine. You know what I mean? Sure. A lot of us ain't cashing our own checks for that matter. We're not writing the checks. And so it didn't offend me, him referring to the media as pawns, no matter how much you try to take it back today. I, I, I know that's what he meant, but that's okay. To whom it may concern. If the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> or if you're right. at the University of Florida, throw it. Might get to that later on. We'll see. Yep. Anyway, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the Marshawn Lynch experience from a couple of years ago. Different people, um, buddy-centric or, or eclectic, if you prefer, what have you. Interesting personalities, different rationale. Uh, a friend of mine named David Shields, I highly recommend you watch this film. It's called uh, Lynch, A History. And it looks at um, Marshawn Lynch's media boycott a couple of years ago. Remember, you know, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Yeah. It looks at that a yeah. couple of years ago. Um, and it looks at it through the prism of not only Oakland's tradition of protests and revolution, but the larger uh, history of athlete protests. Um, and I, I looked at his boycott a little, a, a little more uh, deeply after watching David Shields' film, uh, film. I highly recommend it. And I'm not suggesting that this is Kyrie Irving attempted to make some kind of political statement. I don't read it as that, even though he did quote Malcolm X. Uh, I just... 
I'm over, I'm over begging people to do something that they don't want to do. Because there's enough people in the locker room, there's enough people around the league. First of all, there are 8 million stories. And there's enough people around the league that are willing uh, to tell their stories, are willing to try to control and shape their own narratives, are willing to use the media or manipulate the media, as the case may be. Um, there are enough guys who right. get it, who get their responsibility. And responsibility is not always synonymous with burden but who get their responsibility and their obligation to help grow the game and promote the game, there's plenty enough guys in that locker room and around the league that are more than willing to talk to the media where I ain't got to beg, beg for them to do it. Not to mention, is Kyrie Irving going to say something so profound that I got to hear it, it from him? He might. He might. He might. Okay, and, great. And this is why, great. And this is why I think it. It this is why I disagree with you. This is why I disagree with you when you say, Fans don't necessarily want to hear him talk because if they want to hear him, they can go to Instagram or Twitter. No, 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 no. Excuse well, me. No, no. That's, they don't want. They don't care if he talks to us or not. That's the because we're, because okay. remember we're the enemy. Long before Donald Trump, we were the we, sure. we've always been the entity, the enemy, the the, the the fourth estate, the entity that is the media, the mainstream media has always been the enemy. So we get no sympathy from from the uh, no question. You know that. And, and Kyrie Irving should know he's not the first person to believe in uh, conspiracy theories and hate the media. Okay, he's not the first. And, we, and as you just pointed out, uh, there's a great example uh, in our country right now. But this is where I disagree with you. After a game, after a playoff game, for example, they're, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a really good team. Uh, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're going to be a really good team. After a playoff game, uh, where he scores 40 points, they win by a point, they lose by a point, he's involved in the play of the game. Yeah, you do want to hear those, those situations, the podium. You, you want it as, as a fan. Now, that's different than Kyrie Irving telling you about what's important to him away from basketball, uh, talking about music or movies or shoes or anything else or, or political, uh, uh, political endeavors. That's that's for Instagram and Twitter away from the game. But I do think fans want to hear, especially too close in the to moment. Uh, I think you're too close to it because it's not it's not as though we are the only. Oh, oh, oh not. I'm not close to it at all. And, not and, anymore. And thank God. Thank God. Well, you say, fan, I, and, you and say listen, fans want to hear it. And, I'm, and, I, and I, I look at it from a fan perspective. You like when Kyrie Irving was in Boston, I wasn't covering the Celtics. I didn't need him to talk to me. I didn't need him to do my job, but I did enjoy hearing from him. I wanted to hear his analysis of something not, that I just yeah, watched. But you're not a you're That's not me. a fan, Michael. You you might be a fan at heart, but we, no, I mean, in a, in the truest really? sense, okay? Like you 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 been it. Both of us, and I, this is I'm not pointing the finger at you. Both of us been in this game too long. To consider ourselves fans, we, we fans, we can't just look at things through the the prism of an av average fan who follows him on Instagram or follows him on Twitter or or, or, or follows whatever content that he puts out, uh, independent of the mainstream media. You're, you're talking about and set aside, you know, COVID and, and the Zoom press conferences yeah. nowadays. You're talking about back in the day when they'd be at the podium and you got the media, you know, gathering. And somebody would ask a crazy question and, and, it, and it'd be a viral moment. Or somebody might ask a good question and it leads to a good answer. That process, let's just call it that process of, of working with the press is not something that I think fans are, are, are clamoring for. Yeah, it would be nice and it often leads to some great sound bites, but it's not, it, 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 more often than not, it leads to scrutiny of the media.
Because more often than not, you got people saying, why would that such and such ask that question. crazy question? Or is somebody yeah. getting up yeah. walking off? You know, it's something. It's one of those moments. But rarely yeah, is it something easy. so insightful that it can't be relayed to his fans or his followers without a, a microphone with a flag from a major network across. And I think we'd be remiss, though. I think we'd be remiss if we just don't point out again, and I know a lot of people know this, but we got to point it out one more time. You talk about, hey, you know, he doesn't want to do it and I don't need to hear from him. I'll tell you who disagrees with you. Uh, let's start with Adam Silver and, and everybody no, in the right. uh, NBA apparatus because it's part of the job. It's part of the job for yes. players to speak. That's why he keeps getting fined. I have a, uh, something to say on that in a second. I get that. So, I, I, totally, I totally get so that. So whether, and, and, whether and we and think... If he doesn't do it, it falls on somebody else to do it. It's, it's, right. it's in the contract for a reason. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. I understand that perspective. I just come from it from a different place, I guess, just at my, this point in my life and my career. I'm just not wanting to chase these dudes like that. You know, maybe it's because I don't have to do it anymore, but even when I had right. to do it, it's cool. That's it. I go, I go, I go find somebody, somebody else. Well, but, it, but I've done it, though. But I have done it. Yeah, I know. I you know, know what I have. mean? I used to do it. Right, no. But I'm saying I used to do it. And, Michael, even when I used to do it, I was never one to get all hot and bothered about the fact that somebody wasn't giving me access. But so I, I'm speaking from a privileged position. I understand the people that have to do it now may feel differently. And, yes, you're right. It's in the contract for a reason. Adam Silver, you know, mandates it. The league mandates it. It's tradition. But here's the thing, man. And this goes for Kyrie Irving or anybody else. This game, this game will be here. He's going to come and go. They all come and go. The ones who want to yeah. talk to the media or don't talk to the media, they will be here longer than they will. Now, they'll have a whole lot more money, and more people will know them, but when he's done playing, this machine is oh, going to keep right. rolling. This, you know, and, and a lot of them that don't want to talk to the media end up wanting to be members of the media. Kyrie Irving probably or, not. Maybe we'll or see. Or become members of you know? the media. Or, do, or actually become uh, yeah, members of the yeah, media. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. But, but, you know, I, I said I wanted to say something about Kyrie and his statement when he wasn't talking. And as I said, I understand. I, I do understand at times there are certain reporters that you don't like. There's certain storylines that you don't, you don't want to deal with. And at some point you just take responsibility. You, you, you take control of your story, which is, uh, what Kyrie said he was doing, taking control of his own platform and then making the decision, hey, I'm not going to play your game. All right, I understand that. This is one thing, though, uh, and I'm, I'm going to take him at his word that he is more concerned about the vulnerabilities right now that are, that are happening to certain communities, including in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. where the unemployment rate is 16%. All right, 16% in Brooklyn, uh, and it's higher in other communities. I think the Bronx is, Bronx is like 30%. It's unbelievable. So when I say, if you want to take control of your story and you don't want to talk to the media, that's cool. But what you're doing is give, you're talking about vulnerable communities, unemployment off the charts. You want to do something to help. You are giving $25,000 to the NBA and allowing the NBA to do what it feels is responsible with that money. Yeah, it goes to NBA charities, but it's not your charities. And it's not your voice. It's not your impact. You control the dollars. So what I would say, if he wanted to keep it going all season, if he really wanted to do it, I'd say, all right, don't talk to the media all year. Release your statements every time. You're going to get fined uh, uh, $25,000. Uh, you direct where the money is going to go. Or you don't just give that money away. 
you say you use your media availability to talk about what's important to you. That happened well, in, in the bubble, did, didn't it? In the bubble, absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly. People, they, they decided like, they were talking you about. You would ask Brianna somebody Taylor. about a game. They were talking. You'd ask somebody about a game. Way. They say, absolutely. "Hey, Brianna, Taylor, right?" So, yeah. I, I, if he's going to do it that way, I say just go all in, go all in and do it and help somebody because twenty-five. Like I know you can afford it, but. Yeah, none of the people either or. He could donate to NBA charities and do whatever he wants with, with the rest of his money. Mike, there are there are some people where twenty five thousand dollars right now could change their lives. And so right. uh, there's a there's an anti poverty uh, organization uh, here in Boston. Uh, Doc Rivers does some work with it. Um, I, I I contributed something um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was blown away by one of the stats that that the amount of people in Boston who are on the verge of, of foreclosing, of, of being evicted mm-hmm. because, because of COVID. So yeah, nationwide that, that, that's, that's not a Boston story. That's not right. a Boston story. That's not a, that's not a story just in the state of Connecticut. That is all over. That's all over yeah. the country. It's in every NBA city. If you're going to be about it, just, just, but, I, I say I, take I more control. But that's a little absolute for me. I don't mean, and I, I'm not, I don't think I misunderstand what you're saying, but okay, he could still give $25,000 to NBA charity because at the time he didn't want to talk to the media and still give to so whatever give organizations that he wants. Because his, his pocket changed to him. Because his pocket changed to him. His pocket changed to him. But well, no, exactly. That's my point. It's going to NBA charity. See, we're getting, we're getting too far off the deep end here. It's going to No, no, NBA I'm not. I'm not, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to. I'm just going to say this. If if you are concerned, if your if your mission, if you're saying to the media, this is what he said to the media: stay focused, enjoy the art. We got bigger things to worry about right now, especially now in this time. That's what he said. That's his message. Uh-huh. You go back to his, uh-huh. his his statement. That's it. I think I just summarized uh-huh. it. So if that's your message, even though you can afford to just throw away twenty five thousand dollars or give it to the NBA, which you're not really charity, crazy about yeah. the NBA because you don't like the NBA policies. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just come out. They're not mutually a, exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. Are, he can still. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. How do you know it's, that he's not? How do you know that he's I, not? I didn't doing say he's not. It's a, but that twenty-five grand is not going where he wants it to go. Is my point. That's all. It's not where he wants it to go because he's not in control of that. So if you're gonna just give away money, give away money in addition to the money that you're already giving away. I'm not saying he's not. But in addition to the money that you've already given away for good causes, take the extra twenty-five grand. NBA, uh, you're not you're not gonna hold that for me anymore. I'm gonna sit here. I'll do what I need to do media-wise, but I'm not gonna just throw away twenty-five grand when I know during this time somebody somebody could use it, and and let NBA charities come up with uh, uh, fines from somebody else, not from me, for just because I don't want to talk to the media right now. Okay. Um, I didn't come into this show planning to talk about this, but he spoke today. Uh, I actually did want to talk about his art, capital A, uh, which we'll do after the break. But Gary, if you would be so kind, uh, so as to make sure that we did not uh, misconstrue Kyrie Irving's words, uh, we should probably play his sound from today on the way out. So let's play the sound from today on the way out, go to break, and then we come back... uh, with Kyrie Irving's art, because I do want to appreciate his art, capital A. I like the capitalization thing, Michael, what you're talking about. 
the focus is on what's going on in the task here, you know, my job. And I wanted to make sure that that was clear. There are no distractions, nothing about dispelling anything, nothing about going back and forth, knowing about calling out one person or another, not even to refer to you guys as pawns, you know what I mean? Or media, it's just really how I felt about the mistreatment of certain artists when we get to a certain platform of when we make decisions within our lives to have full control and ownership. You know, we, we, we go through the rigorous season, we, we do everything we're asked to do, you know, and, and we want to perform in a secure and protected space. And if I can't have my voice protected on this platform where I, I offer myself and my art, just inviting everyone to it because this is what I've been blessed to do. You know, I didn't, I didn't make it from the best circumstances. I made it because my family had a foundation and taught me the right things and how to live a principle-led life. So having that in basketball and my art, you know, it's just finding a balance. You know, and, that, and that's all. So to answer your to, to answer your first question, um, can you ask that again? Ask that one again. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Well, yeah, I was anxious, nervous. Um, you know, I visualized this moment for so long, you know, nine, ten months of just thinking about how it would be this, you know, next phase of my career, you know what I'm saying? So um, I felt like I was just chomping at the bit, especially once COVID hit, I was just so frustrated because I didn't see an end. I mean, I didn't see it. I didn't see where the future, uh, what the season was going to start in the future. So I was just so... I was going through it, so that to go through this felt, felt solid, and I just got to keep building on. With you, I don't want to take away from, you know, what makes me and Kay special, because I, I really want to implement, you know, this group is what makes us even more special. And they follow, I don't even say follow, they're alongside of us for this journey to aid us in our goals. And yeah, me and Kay, we have a great relationship, as you can see on Sitting With Kai that I did on my platform. You know, we have a great relationship, but our synergy carries over to everyone else. And we allow each other to teach, to learn, 
just do it every single day. And and when I first, you know, became close with Kev, it was just built on that. You know, first it was just talking about our, you know, our, our, our circumstances that we grew up, our journeys. And then it transferred into our activities that we wanted to be a part of outside, whether it be business, whether it be playing together. And we were like, man, you know, this thing can happen. And we had to wait, you know, maybe a year and a half. And then it came to fruition. And now you guys get to see a product that uh, has been been worked on for the last you know, few months. So we, we do things to just continue to be closer as, as brothers, but as well as keep everyone else engaged with us because our greatness is even better together than just alone, which is why we're together. There was a lot of talk about the quick turnaround uh, for especially the bubble teams before a lot of teams from uh, one season to the next. And as, as, as much as, uh, you know, much as they're getting paid, you do feel sorry for them. Like, you know, they didn't quite get their time off. But that said, they're providing a public service right now. I'm, I'm fully appreciative. I mean, it is so good that the NBA is back. We got our first preseason action over the weekend. It's just really good to have the NBA back. It hadn't been that long. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's, you know, it's not like good to see you where you've been. But it is really nice to have it back so quickly and to have some semblance of a normal, uh, you know, late fall and winter. Having said that, and I don't know if you want to get into, Michael, you know, the, uh, the potential of the Brooklyn Nets, but I just do want to stick with that art theme, and I do want to talk, I want to combine Kyrie Irving with what we saw from Kevin Durant's long-awaited NBA return and Brooklyn Nets debut. Um, you know the band, you know my, my, one of my favorite old-school R&B bands, uh, Jeffrey Osborne, LTD? Yeah, you know, you know them, right? You ever, you ever hear that song? Uh, yeah. You hear that song, Concentrate on You? Concentrate on you, concentrate on you. You know that song? I don't no? know that song, but I, I Concentrate I, I on that. you. Oh, no, man. I enjoyed it. So there's a, okay, great. It. There's a there's a line in this song, Concentrate on You, where Jeffrey Osborne says, it takes separation to bring appreciation. And that's what I think about when I watch the brilliance of both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant you know, I, you, on but, display. But here's the thing. I, let, let me just let hmm. me just interrupt. What? You know, <laughs> I cannot what? hear you mention Jeffrey Osborne without uh-huh. thinking about, about Bobby J breaking it down. <laughs> right at your wedding, singing love ballad. I know. I was raised on Jeffrey Osborne. What? What we have is much more than they can see. Oh, man. Exactly. That's what he said. That's what what Kyrie said. What we have is much more than they can see. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) But concentrate on you is my joint, too. Um, You should listen to that. You like it. But, no, I I, I watched Kyrie Irving play for the first time since February. I I watched uh, Kevin Durant play for the first time since June of 2019. Uh, And I, I just... I took a moment, I was like, this is this is to be marveled at. This is to be appreciated. This is to be admired. This is to be cherished. Because for all of Kyrie Irving's wanna-be smartest person in the room syndrome off the court, he is nothing short of a savant with that basketball in his hand. And Kevin Durant, as you know, Michael, I'm not, I'm not breaking any news, but he's one of the greatest players and Kevin. maybe the best pure scorer we've ever seen. And it's just so good to have him back. KD's career has become a running conversation about loyalty and jump and joining super teams and, you know, uh, leaving the Thunder to join the, to the Warriors and, 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 and paper and legitimate championships versus illegitimate championships. It's, 
you know, burner accounts. It's become about everything for a lot of people, but his basketball, which is a beautiful sight to behold. And if that's just the beginning of his comeback, sign me up for uh, for League Pass Alert because uh, they're definitely going to be um, a team that I'm going to be watching, not just to, to see if they can contend for the Eastern Conference crown, but just to appreciate these two maestros while we can. That's why, I'm so, that's why I'm so excited about it, Mike. Just from a basketball perspective, what's going to happen? It's the unknown. Now, the known is what you just said. You've got uh, Kyrie Irving, who is uh, a top 20 player in the NBA. Top 20, top 25 player in the NBA. I'd say 20. And you've got Kevin Durant, who's number two on my list. The healthy Kevin Durant is the second best player in the NBA hey, uh, behind you, you LeBron James. You look, you, look, you look good one game in, brother. I'm going to tell you. Look, he looked he look, he look back. So if, he's I, healthy, so. look, if he's healthy, if he's <laughs> healthy, that, okay, the, the questions yeah. disappear. And was that yeah. was that Vinny who said at one point that he had passed LeBron? According to Vinny, he thought he passed him for a couple of years. I, I, when he when he was shooting dagger threes in the finals over LeBron, yeah. even on the Warriors, it looked like it was his league at that point. Okay, so so talent wise, I know what it is, and it's fascinating. But talent wise, is not talent enough uh, alone is not going to get you a championship. And it's going to have to be not just Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant learning how to play together for, let's say, 65 games a year. Let's just factor in load management. 65, 70 games a year, they know how to play together. But they also know how to bring in the rest of the team. And they're willing to be coached. And sometimes that means being told things you don't want to hear. That's what the best coaches do. For what it's worth, for what it's worth, Kyrie clarified that today. He, he did. He I heard back. that too. He said, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, Steve. Steve's great. We got a two-time MVP coaching us." And then Steve Nash uh, was throwing his flowers back at Kyrie. Hey, you guys don't like him. He's not in your good book, but he's in my good book. Got it. Yeah. But on top of that, here's the other thing. Criticism. Criticism. It sounds good. What they're do- what they're doing right now, eleven days before Christmas, sounds good. Hey. We just, this is a, we, we get, we've got a great relationship. We're going to bring in everybody else. If you deal with any adversity, or even if you don't deal with adversity, and you're in that market, you're in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, come on. You've got to be able to deal with the spotlight. The spotlight is going to be constant. The spotlight is going to be harsh. And both of them throughout their careers have kind of bristled at that. Yeah. Will they be able to overcome that? I don't know. That's because they, they all. That's what I want to say. Because talent cannot, talent can't remove that. It's inevitable. Like no matter, like no matter how great you are on paper, whether you're the the Heat from the early part of the decade of, of last decade, uh, whether you are the Warriors, something's gonna happen. And, and look, it may, it may be this season, maybe next season. Something's Always. gonna happen that's gonna test you. No matter right, you know, you, you're gonna, and even if you know. Listen, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't know how fans necessarily view Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant at this point because Kevin Durant has a lot of appreciators and he got a lot of haters still too. Same with Kyrie Irving, you know, because there are a lot of people who but, came but up are, Kyrie are, Irving. Are Durant's haters? Do you think Durant's haters are because he decided to go to Golden State? Is that the is that the yes. number one thing, yes. or is it the burner yes. account? I think so. It's no, going no, to Golden no, State. Former. Yeah, still, still. Like for some people, they would never let that go. But the reason I bring that up is just to say, yeah. you know, even if now, let's say there's a lot of people like me who are just excited to watch these two play together. 
eventually you're going to become a team that everybody loves to hate. Happened with the Warriors. Remember the Warriors were cute and they were fun and everybody liked how they passed and the three-pointers and the Splash Brothers and they became the bad guys. You know, and then they became the... When did the, the Warriors become the bad guys? To, when did that happen? Uh... I don't know exactly when, but I mean, I love watching Steph's, Warriors, unanimous, Steph's unanimous I, I MVP. I love watching them. Steph's, well, but some people just love to hate them, but people were rooting against them at a certain point. Steph's unanimous MVP became a, 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 a major topic as people just thought that was just LeBron. was going too far. That's LeBron, man. Well, yeah, there's that too. So, no, I mean, inevitably, you're right. They're going to have to deal with, uh, with some noise, and we'll see whether Kyrie addresses it with the media on IG Live. Either way. You know, I'm good. I'm good with whatever he decides to do. Um, but I just want to kind of bounce around the NBA with you for a second. Um, do you want me to skip James Harden? Yes or no? I can skip James Harden. I can skip him. I can tell you. I can skip him. You don't have, to skip, just, just you don't have to skip him? Okay. Because no, because last time we to. talked about him, I know you were like, you were like, dude, ain't nothing changed. But I think the one thing that has changed over the last couple of days well, I'm confused about it, but I'm going to tell you in a second, is John Wall looked really good in his first two preseason games. John Wall looked uh, looked spry. He looked fresh. He just he looked like he was poised to have a great season. Talk about people, it's good to see back. Steph, throw Steph Curry in there if you want. But John Wall, two years, and, and now here he is. It's just good to see him back on the floor looking like the old John Wall. But what confuses me, though, is at one point I thought, that Kevin Durant, excuse me, that, that James Harden preferred John Wall over Russell Westbrook, according to reports. At this point, I forget who reported it. But then today, Woj and Ramona Shelburne report that he is unmoved and uninterested <laughs> in continuing on. He continuing on. like, don't y'all understand? Despite, yeah, he's, he still wants out. So what, what do you make of that? I think... He's um, what? What was the uh, what was the feed item? One of my favorite feed uh, feed items so far. I think he's stuck like Chuck. Is that is that oh, what you called like it Chuck, yeah. last week? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He knows it, and I think he knows. He's got two years left on this contract, and there aren't many places that are just going to dismantle what they have to accommodate him. Right. Or there's some places surprise, that surprise. may want to do that. Surprise! The Nets ain't trading Kyrie. They they oh, and the places that want to do that they can't. Now, you know, I saw one story where Miami, there's mutual interest between James Harden and Miami, and that Tyler Hero is not a deal breaker. Well, I wouldn't think he would be a deal breaker uh, for James Harden. But is that going to work? You can have mutual interest. He's got a huge contract, and it's not like uh, it's not like you can you can kind of tear that, uh, that, take that contract apart piece by piece and say, all right, uh, take 30% or 40% less right now. We'll take care of you next year. It's a contract that's in place. You're moving contracts in the NBA. You're not moving players. You're moving contracts. And it's just going to be difficult to trade him to a place that he's comfortable being. Yeah. So I think he's just trying to, he is or his representatives are just trying to get the story out. Hey, he's ready to be moved. Nothing has changed. But yeah. the bad news for him is nothing has changed. Who's got the cap yeah. space? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to Mike orchestrate a three or four team trade to get him to out get of here. To get the piece where he that wants Houston wants. Speaking of real quick, uh, you know, so Harden's gonna play Tuesday, apparently, miraculously, quite honestly, but thankfully, uh, 
he has passed, I guess, six straight COVID tests, you know, um, so he's going to play on Tuesday. But to your point uh, about just kind of like just getting the word out, this paragraph from uh, the ESPN article uh, stood out to me. So it says, uh, after detouring, or detouring, excuse me, the social engagements in Atlanta and Las Vegas before reporting late for training camp last week, uh, Harden has expressed to Rockets ownership and management his intention to be professional and engaged upon joining the team. For the Rockets, this is necessary for the team to operate under new coach Steven Silas while also allowing for some leverage in the trade market to get closer to full value for Harden. The appearance of a distressed asset only hinders an organization in making a trade of this magnitude, and Harden has expressed understanding of this concept, as well as the idea that it may take time to find a trade that returns appropriate value to the Rockets. Hook the people up with the translation. Hook the people up with the translation. What does that mean? Break it down. Go ahead. Uh, that means he's stuck like Chuck, and he knows it. Oh, <laughs> and his only course. choice. That's, that's, that's first definition, stuck like Chuck. Here's second definition. They sat him down and said, look, James, I know you want to be traded, but the more you do these things, it's harder for yeah. us to move you. So if you, want to, if you want us to trade you, you're going to have to, you have to dial it back a little bit. All right? Okay. That's what happened. Yeah, I'm, but, but I'll be honest with you, back. though. I'm not even, first of all, it's like, Professional engage and engage. Gee, thanks. Appreciate you. How considerate of you. After showing up late for training camp, thank you for coming in to be professional and engaged. What a concept, okay? Yeah. I don't even know that that makes him a distressed asset if he's disgruntled. I think That's the main thing phrase. for these teams is, every, is everything that we've talked about, which is can somebody put together the kind of package that Houston wants? And is that somebody somewhere where James will stay beyond his player option. Like, if he's unhappy or not, I don't think anybody's going to be like, you know what, I ain't trading for him because he was unhappy in Houston and he didn't show up on time. Like, he's still a three-time scoring champion MVP. If someone would be so inclined to dismantle their roster in order to accommodate him. But here's the bottom line, though, Michael Holly. Here's the bottom line. They all play for second, as we already know. And as we like to often say, as we like to quote Steve Harvey from Kings of Comedy, Letting us further know. Let's be further know. That the Lakers have this on lock. Is Taylor Horton Tucker? Or, or, or THT, as he's now called? I mean, just what the Lakers needed. Additional depth. 46 pick in the 2019 draft. I felt bad because I was like, who is this guy? Well, why would I know yeah, who he is? Yeah, he played 81, hey, everybody he else played in 81 minutes name. last year. He played 81 minutes last year. Who is this year. dude? Uh, he goes out. This dude just did this. 52 points in two games against the Clippers. Got LeBron calling him special. Getting LeBron out of his out of his seat every night. And look, nobody's putting him in the Hall of Fame. I'm not putting him in Springfield now. But it's like in a season that is going to be so dependent on depth, especially the team that you know two two teams played longer than everybody else. Obviously, you know a team that's going to want to manage the minutes of LeBron and Anthony Davis. Now you add Taylor Horton Tucker, who seems like he's the real deal at both ends of the court. I mean, you want to talk about first world problems and the rich getting richer and like, yeah, it's incredible. What an incredible story though. 46 pick of the draft just goes to show you don't have to turn the television off on draft night when they drafted in the second round. Never know. But, let, but, let, but let's be fair. Let's keep this in mind. It's a preseason. It's preseason. But if, it's it, look, if, if the king is knighted you, if the king is telling is telling people that you, you, you're the real deal, I'm a, I'm that's a believe. That's what the king him. does. I'm a, the king, that's why he's the king. He makes everybody feel like they're special. The I don't think he just. Everybody, I don't think he just throwing this out there. 
This dude looks like I mean, the real I, deal, man. He, he out here ripping Kyrie, uh, Kawhi Leonard. He ripping Kawhi Leonard in a half court. 33 points, even in the preseason. But I do know this. I don't know I about the Lakers. I do know this. A night. Yeah. When we eventually take this show on the road, our first stop is Houston. We have done some damage in Houston, Texas. Uh, that's our people. You still got people in Houston? Uh, I do. I absolutely do. All right. Uh, yeah. That's where we're going. First stop, Houston, Texas, because we hold it down when it, when it comes to Houston sports. It's almost got. It's almost like a must every day. We have to do a hard topic, but they keep giving us news. They keep doing stuff. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com/partner. NetCredit, credit to the people. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's Day with gifts up to 60% off. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, Mike, uh, let's bring in some company. And, and Mike, you know, it's not every day uh, that we get an opportunity to hang out with with championship stock. Uh, you know, Dave Roberts, he's got, uh, he's got a championship ring on the way. He's going to put it on, and he'll come back on brother, and from, brother from Another and just show off the ring. Then he's got one in the vault from 2004 from his days with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the manager of the... 2020 World Series champions, L.A. Dodgers, uh, joins us. What's going on, Dave Roberts? Good to see you. Fellas, what's going on? You know, um, I'm excited to be a part of this. I I love what you guys are doing. And uh, just for you two to be creative, uh, for me to be on and have a conversation that can kind of go anywhere. Um, But, yeah, uh, winning in 04 in Boston as a player was something incredible. Um, for myself, our, the, my teammates, the city of Boston, and, um, you know, now winning it in, in, a, in the year of a pandemic uh, as a manager uh, for the Dodgers uh, was quite different and uh, just as much uh, satisfying. So, yeah, I, I got to come back on bro- Brother from Another and uh, rock both of my rings because right now uh, I got one on lock and then one on the way. So, yeah, I got to come back. All right, well, see, well, you already you flexing. You already flexing, yeah. though. But, but before we get into it, though, like we got to get into your your little arrangement, because I mean, in, in 2020, you know, the Zoom <laughs> background is everything. A lot of people have libraries. Some people have like nice kitchens. I mean, oh my goodness, this is so. I mean, this is, you, you know, you got to start with uh, the the goat. So that's MJ, and <laughs> then my father's uh, favorite football player of all time was Gale Sayers. So I got a jersey signed by the great Gail Sayers, 
And wow. then uh, I always oh, wow. love Joe Montana. There's uh, Willie Mays, arguably the greatest player of all time. That's my man right there, Maury Wills. And then uh, I got Barry Bonds. And then in there is a locker I had built. So I got jersey from uh, – there's uh, my man Derek Jeter right there. I got his 3,000-hit uh, bat. What? And a bunch of different jerseys. Um, man. I got my LA uh, <laughs> helmet back there. So I got a bunch of crazy stuff, fellas. Man, that's the hangout spot right there, Holly. <laughs> I love it. I take a show. Hey, take, I, take a show. Holly, I, I love the right here. That's for oh, you right is, there. Of course. <laughs> you got to have your own stuff on there too. There you go. And I see, I see Jackie back there too, man. You got everything. So That's right. look, Dave, I can't tell you, I can't say it on the air because of restrictions. I can't tell you what my reaction was when I found out that Mookie Betts was being traded from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. I can't say that. I can't say that and stay on the air. Now, <laughs> maybe you can tell me what was it? You know, where were you when you found out it was official? You guys were going to get Mookie Betts, uh, give up some minor leaguers, give up a reserve outfielder, and get the second best player in baseball for my money. Uh, what was your reaction? No, it's like, and I know you guys are on, uh, you know, are on top of the NBA. And I'll just give you a quick little analogy. It's like uh, Steve Kerr is a good buddy of mine, and it's like when it says, "Hey, KD's coming to a." Dub Nation. It's like, that's just not supposed to happen. You know, you already got a great team, and it's like, what? We having a player in his prime, Mookie Betts, coming to the Dodgers? That stuff like that just doesn't happen. And the bar for me was already set high, but then when I got a chance to spend time with Mookie and understand uh, what type of man he is, a teammate he is, I mean, goodness, uh, we got to steal uh, acquiring a player like Mookie Betts. No question. And, and to re-sign him on top of that. When a lot of people 100%. were hoping that he would hit the market. Yeah. Um, but speaking of that bar that was set for you, Dave, I mean, obviously, the expectation in L.A. for years has been championship robust. And you, you went through quite a few disappointments before breaking through this year and finally getting that title. So, I guess, given the journey, how much sweeter was it for you guys uh, to finally get it done in this most unusual of seasons on top of all that? I'll tell you, Mike, um, the first thing I told our guys this past spring uh, before we stopped for the summer camp and the quarantine, I referenced a Kobe Bryant quote. I was at his last uh, NBA game and I said and he said, uh, the dream is the journey. And um, I just really wanted our players to understand that the ups, the downs, the trials, the failure, successes, that's a part of it. And although we were still in a world um, of world series or bust, we still needed to focus on the journey and eliminate the noise and expectations and kind of put our head down and play good baseball. And I think that with what happened, the start stop, uh, you know, with the George Floyd, all the social injustices that we had to address, which a lot of our guys really grew up. And became not only not only were just ma uh, major league ball players, but really stood up and for what's right. And um, I think that just our ability to focus on baseball, but also take on some other things that we really uh, weren't prepared for, but really handled amazingly, led to this. And I think that now we can look back and go, man, it's pretty special. Um, and uh, there, what's that uh, John, John Wooden quote? Um, talent wins championship, 
but character uh, allows you to repeat. So uh, I trust our character of the guys, and I look forward to us okay. doing it again next year. Okay, Dave, that's great. I want to I want to hear what that was like for for you all to talk about some of the social issues that were happening in the country. Because I've said before, like, all the places I've worked, I've worked with people who didn't necessarily agree with me politically. Uh, we weren't aligned. We didn't see uh, things the same way. But you know what I didn't have to do? I didn't have to share a clubhouse with them. I didn't have to travel with them. You know, they yeah. go home. I go home. We didn't share the same planes. But in professional sports, baseball, you're around each other all the time. So what were those conversations uh, like? Because I can't assume that everybody saw it the same way. What was it like for you? You know what? It was it was uh, really uh, interesting, uh, very difficult. And to have those uncomfortable conversations, uh, but needed conversations, uh, and I can speak to our clubhouse, um, you're talking about a day where Major League Baseball players uh, protested a Major League Baseball game. And yeah, you can't speak to, you know, one person of color and a person that doesn't know that person's plight uh, to a person that's not of color. And everyone can't be, the expectation for everyone to feel the exact same way, as you said, Michael, is unrealistic. But I do believe that we did a great job, and I think baseball as an industry did a really good job of listening to uh, the people that needed to be heard. And it wasn't from a place of this is an angry black man that's just disgruntled. And so I think that for Clayton Kershaw, Justin Turner, and all the rest of our players to stand by Mookie, myself, George Lombard, our first base coach, and say, hey, if you're not playing, you're not managing, we're not playing. And then what was just as powerful is the next day when Mookie decided when he was contemplating and I was contemplating, should we manage it and keep going? But he said, my white teammates were in it with me when we protested. I didn't want to be divisive again by not playing and have them play. So then what they decided to do with the Players Alliance guys like Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Curtis Granderson, all these different guys that kind of came together to form that Players Alliance. So then now we come together, white players, black players, to decide to play together. Uh, money is going to be going to underprivileged kids and in an inner city, and we're going to do something with it. So it was just pretty amazing to see my players, my coaches all grow. What do you think that, that, uh, that moment – Coupled with, we talked about Mookie Betts earlier, and I mean, everybody who's paid attention, I mean, he didn't, he didn't just get good overnight. He's been one of the <laughs> premier players in the game for a lot of years, but, but seemed to take it to another level on this stage with this team, uh, you know, this year in terms of people's awareness of him. So you couple that with uh, two rookies of the year, both being black players. Um, you know, what more can the game do or has the game even been doing behind the scenes uh, since the season? to help make the game more attractive to young ball players, young black ball, ball players, continue to try to uh, diversify this game? Because I imagine that it's, it's pretty challenging having those conversations when most of the people in your industry don't look like you. Yeah, I'll tell you, we as an industry haven't done a good job. Um, and this is, you know, probably over the last 20 years, it, it's gone in the wrong direction. And um, I think... Uh, you know, marketing, you know, it's, it's kind of chicken or the egg. How, what do we need to do first? And I think one thing we need to do is certainly as an industry, Players Association, Major League Baseball, we need to be intentional. 
Uh, we need to market the players. You know, I remember and I, we see this Michael Jordan jersey uh, in the background. You know, I remember being a kid and everyone wanted to be like Mike. And, and that's mm-hmm. where NBA marketed the player and the person. And I think that young black kids just don't see people like them playing baseball. So I think we got to do a better job marketing. I think we got to spend money in the inner cities and get bats, balls, gloves, tighten up the fields, get kids playing baseball. Um, and also in a deeper issue, I think that we've got to fundamentally uh, reward players, uh, compensate players and make the game more, uh, which shows the skill set of uh, the black player, you know, the bunting, the stolen base, the outfield arm. These are things that I remember, whether it's Reggie Smith, who's a good friend of mine, or Andre Dawson, or all these different black players that I knew growing up, Ken Griffey Jr., they could do it all. And uh, now it's about just hitting home runs and a strikeout and a walk, and it's just not as dynamic as the game should be. Hmm. Would you say uh, it was your talent that, that made you a fan of baseball, or was it your fandom that got you into baseball? What was it for you as, as a kid? I think initially it was the talent. I was one of those kids that, uh, played all three sports, football, basketball, and baseball, whatever was in season. And nowadays, guys, when they're kids, when they're you know girls or boys, they pick a sport. You know, they're eight, nine, ten years old. They're specific to that one sport, which I do think that has made the skill set better, but I don't think it's a benefit to the kids. Um, so I think for me it was the talent because I played all three. But then I grew up in San Diego. So for me to see Tony Gwynn uh, play baseball and I want to be like Tony Gwynn, I wanted to be like Ricky Henderson. And so for me, then it became like, how, what can I do to be like Tony Gwynn or Griffey Jr. or Ricky Henderson? A major milestone for the game, really for society, was Kim Ang uh, taking the top job uh, down, down in Florida. I see the big smile. Uh, yep. What did you think when she got the gig with the Marlins? I was like, man, we're getting it right. And um, this is uh, a a woman, a a person that has been in baseball for three decades, started from the ground up and uh, started with scouting. And I remember when I was with the Dodgers, she was an assistant general manager. And she was a person that was always around the ball field, um, watching guys do their extra work and pick brains of, as you see, Tommy Lasorda. Dan Evans was the general manager at the time. She had a good relationship with Jim Tracy, our manager. Then she would talk to the players. And then she went into the Major League Baseball office. And guys, I'm telling you, for a person to have the grit, determination, but not have the bitterness uh, against the industry, where there were many times she was just being interviewed as, uh, you know, just to say she was being interviewed. To check a box. Just to check a box. And there was just no ill will for her to still do her job. We're both on the Major League Baseball Diversity Committee. And for me, I just consider a great friend. And Derek is just, I mean, I showed you this jersey. He's always been my favorite player, but for him as an executive to hire her, and I don't even think it's going out on a limb. It's the right hire, um, but she just gets it. She's done everything in baseball, and the, the Marlins are better for it. You said uh, Derek uh, is your favorite player. Uh, we talked about 2004 a little bit before he came on. Uh, Major <laughs> Steel in 04. Everybody knew what. Hey, it's funny. Here comes Dave Roberts into the game as a pinch runner. Everybody knows why he's in the game. He's in the, he's in the game to steal second base. You took off and you did it anyway. 
Now, Jeter tries to get you with this swipe tag. And, you know, people in Boston are used to the Yankees getting the benefit of the doubt. Did you ever talk to him about, hey, man, it was closer. You made it look closer than it was. Did you ever think it was going to be uh, called anything but safe? So um, I, so I got a couple little things. So right there, uh, I, I come in and safe. And then uh, Derek, as he always does, you know, he pats the guy and does a little walk back. And he just said, how the F did you just do that? <laughs> uh, and just like a little smirk. And uh, another quick story is, so that was 2004. In 2005, no, it was 2007, I ended up going with the, uh, signing with the Giants, San Francisco Giants. And on opening day, we played the Dodgers. And uh, Joe Torrey was the manager of the Dodgers at the time. So we're going to the lines to meet. And Joe Torrey just looks at me and waves his index finger and goes, I remember you. And just kind of <laughs> gave me a wink. That's what's up. Uh, listen, man, we, we could talk to you all day, but uh, we appreciate you being so generous with your time. Last one for me is I just I know we're in a pandemic. And so, you, you know, and obviously, you know, California, especially, you know, it's been uh, most people have been, you know, inside and, you know, on lockdown and rightfully so. But is there a great interaction, a great story, even a great phone call, Zoom meeting, whatever, since you have been a World Series winning manager? that you can share with us. I told you before, you got two cities now that you'll never pay for a meal in, Boston and L.A., which is not bad. It's pretty good dining. But since you brought it home for the Dodgers, give me your best story from the offseason. Um, the best. Um, okay. So um, we haven't had that chance to celebrate yet, um, and I'm still hoping for a Laker-Dodger parade all throughout the city of uh, Los oh, Angeles. Oh, my goodness. You got A.D., LeBron, Coach Vogel, um, and then you got Kershaw, Betts, all these guys, right? Um, but I had a call from Sandy Koufax, which was just nice. uh, ridiculous and just kind of congratulating me and how we did it. Uh, Vin Scully uh, is insane. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I've got so many of those like random great people just hit me up. Uh, congratulating you. So very humble, very blessed. Man, what a history. What a history uh, for the Dodgers. You know, you, you mentioned some of those guys, Vin Scully being there, uh, you know, Sandy Koufax. Uh, and, and just like your story too. I, I, and before we let you go, I just want to congratulate you because I wonder if it started to play some mind games with you. You, ca you guys kept winning. Was it eight straight um, division titles? That you won? Yeah, we, we won eight straight. So, uh, you know, we've earned that target on our back. That's what you play for, right? So, uh, yeah. and uh, expect to do it again next year. Um, but you guys are the best. And uh, one last thing is you guys talked about what we can do for, uh, as far as getting uh, more black players playing uh, baseball. I challenge you guys to keep uh, bringing us uh, black players, coaches, managers on your show. And let's talk baseball, too, because we all love the NFL, all the forward. NBA, but uh, let's talk baseball too, all right? Well, you uh, definitely hey, got to, you, know you uh, and anybody you know got to def definitely got to open invitation. That's right. Sure. That's, yeah. Op open, open invitation. I, I, Dave, I'll tell you this, this last thing before we let you go. Uh, my nephew, he's, he gets so tired of me talking about this, his baseball moment. Uh, it was in 2002. Ricky Henderson was like playing out the string. He was with the Red Sox at the time. So I took him to Fenway Park. He asked me, my nephew did. He was like five or six years old. What's a steal? At that moment, 
Ricky Henderson stole second base. I said, it's that. And that's what got him hooked on baseball. <laughs> I'm serious. It's just See, little that's things. That's the thing is that when I just love it when Mookie Betts or Ricky Henderson is up to bat, then he gets on first base, and then the focus stays on them when they get to first base, and then they start yeah. creating tension. And people get on the edge of their seats, and that guy back there, Maury Wills, did the same thing, where I used to hear stories about people, the whole stadium would say, go, 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 go. And it's like that's the stuff, the game inside the game, that uh, I want to bring back because you know I'm biased to the stolen base. Fantastic. Hey, Dave, hey, you always, always have a seat here. Come back anytime. We'd love to catch up don't with you again. Don't even call. Just show up. Just, just, just show up. Don't even, don't, yeah, don't That's even call. That's all good. All right, fellas. Hey, man. You guys are doing it, man. All the best. Thank you. Hey, man. Dave, the key is right under the mat. The key's under the mat. Just, just, just pick it up. Come on in. All right, all right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Because I had so many, I had so many feed items today. I had, I had eight. Well, Gary, was it 18, 19? How many feed items I had today, Gary? That's too much. That's too much. 18 on, feed man. items. What are we doing? What are we it's doing? It's Monday. What are we doing? It's Monday, and we took Friday off. I had a lot on my mind. So, you know we, we only showed 10 at a time. Hey, if we were showing the second part of my feed, it's grayed out, partner. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm cooking. I mean, it's, uh, some of us waiting on you. But I'm trust me, Listen, I got I I'm getting my, my takes brother. off today. My I'm getting brother. my takes off. 18 the, the staff will back me up on that. I, 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 18. Listen. Come on, what hey, are you doing? You can't get through Come 18. On. I can get through 18. You cannot get through 18. You have hey, done. Charlie Weiss. Hey, Charlie Weiss. Next time you say last thing, okay. <laughs> okay. No, no. Two things. Make that three. Yeah. That's, a, that's a Charlie Weiss yeah. line. Charlie Weiss said all, all the time. The, yeah. I got two things. Shout out Actually, to make Weiss. that three. But no, um, you, you know, we, of football, we're not going to do that. Go ahead. Oh, hey, no, go ahead. Go don't, ahead. Don't, 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 don't test me. Um, here's what I did not account for. Um, remember I kind of solved the Eagles problems for them last week? I did, I did qualify. Yeah, you're going to trade my You're going to trade them. You're going to trade Jalen I, I, said, I, said, I said if you are committed – to Carson Wentz and that contract, mm-hmm. which no contract is untradeable. 
But if you're going, if you're that one isn't either. Person, oh, by the way, I got a little news. I got a little news. That contract is not uh, untradeable either. That is a, it is not the burdensome contract that has been made out to be. And so, if the Eagles wanted to move on from Carson Wentz. It is not some, oh, wow, they can never figure this out. That is not true. I don't think anybody ever said that. And I don't think well, or, or it's not, it's not cumbersome. It's, it's, it's expensive. A, it's, a big, it's a big cap hit. That's all we ever said. It's a big cap hit. But it doesn't have rather, to be. It doesn't have to be. 20, it's going to be 20 plus million regardless. Bottom line is this. All right. That's not true. But anyway, if ahead. you're committed to Carson Wentz, if you're committed to Carson Wentz, and you do want to keep in my solution that I said a couple of times last week was they're going to have to trade Jalen Hurts. They can't have a viable alternative behind him. No different than they couldn't keep Nick Foles after Nick Foles won the Super Bowl and he became a free agent. They couldn't choose Foles over Wentz. Likewise, if they're committed to Carson, they can't come back with both next year. So I was like, Mm -hmm. the solution is, again, if you're committed to Carson, barring Jalen Hurts balling out of control the rest of the way, you trade Jalen Hurts you know, to give Carson Wentz his peace of mind that he seems to be lacking despite his contractual commitment. Well, Jalen Hurts, so far, so good. 160 yards passing, 100 yards rushing. They beat the Saints in the number one defense. He's starting against Arizona. He's probably going to start for the rest of the season. So, unless this was a mirage, and I don't think it is out of Jalen Hurts. Look at that bottom headline by Marcus. Look at that bottom headline by Marcus Hayes. Come on, Marcus. Come but on, I'll, I'll, man. But I'll just tell you this. I'll just tell you this. The thing that I got wrong was the idea that if Jalen, uh, follow, follow me here. Let's play this out. If Jalen Hurts plays well the rest of the way and takes him to the playoffs even or just looks like the real deal with a smaller sample size and the Eagles do what I said and trade Jalen Hurts in order to make Carson Wentz more comfortable, it'll actually have the opposite effect. The ghost of Jalen Hurts will haunt Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. So if Jalen Hurts plays like this, not only is he playing himself into the starting job, but he's without question, contract or not, playing Carson Wentz out of town. Hello, Frank Reich. No, I I got you. I got you. Look, they've got options. Uh, Your plan uh, plan was a good one. Chris Sims agreed with you. Well, last week when you said, hey, if you really want to make this about Carson, then you trade the chip that is Jalen Hurts. Well, you can also flip this around. If you wanted to make this about Jalen, you can trade the chip, and you can trade the chip that is Carson Wentz. It might be as simple as a bad fit now in Philadelphia. It could be a mental thing. That happens. I, I, I hate that we never bring that up in sports as if, these, especially in football, as if these guys, these helmeted guys with shoulder pads, these tough guys don't have any kind of issues that they're dealing with based on what their employers are saying or doing. So I think it could be very well could be a mental thing with yeah. Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, and he could go somewhere else and be fine. I expect it. It's I think be he's hard. a really good quarterback. It, yeah. It's got, who, Wentz, you mean, or Hurts? Yeah, Wentz. Oh, yeah. Wentz is yeah. a really yeah. good quarterback, yeah. and we haven't seen the best of him. He's 27, and he's got a lot of good football left in him. He may not have good football left in Philadelphia. And also, yeah. uh, being you know, just keeping it totally 100, I may have an agenda because I think he looked good in, Pittsburgh, uh, in, uh, in New England. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. you know, so, so, so not 
So not Indianapolis where everybody's pegging him to go. No. It uh, has been for a while. He's like, Thank I got news. Quarterback. You can trade Carson Wentz. Like, we know that. Wait, but wait a second. This is this is the thing, though. Speaking of New England, all right, speaking of New England, I'm not, I'm not surprised by how Jalen Hurts played yesterday. Uh, I told you I wasn't going to be surprised. Last week, I told you I wasn't going to be surprised if he balled out. It reminds me of, it's not apples to apples, but, like, one of the first times I met Tom Brady, I'm a young kid, he's a young kid, you know, I don't remember, I think I might have been an intern. How about that humble brag? How about that, how about that sly humble brag you just had there? You know, <clears throat> that's not even a humble brag. I'm talking to the dude that wrote the book on him. Why am I, well, you know, that's not even a humble brag. Not a, like, think about the company I'm with. I was know, an intern, it was 2000. One of the first times I, I was And it was one of the Tom first Brady. of many bad questions that I asked, but I, that back then, you know, bad questions weren't televised. I'm just trying to make conversation with him. I think I remember asking something to the effect of like, you know, nerves or jitters, or, you know, playing in, in, in then Foxborough Stadium. And I remember him looking at me like I was crazy. It's like, man, I played in Ann Arbor. I played in the big house. You know, I, I mean, I played, I, yeah, I played in front of bigger crowds than this. This is nothing. And looking back, when you watched how poised he was, as we, as we know, you know, and maybe he would have been that way regardless, it made sense that, he, that that would be his mentality. I'm not saying that Carson Wentz in North Dakota State wasn't a, a fit for Philadelphia. Some people have. I'm not going to oversimplify his struggles that way. What I will say is, when you got a guy like Jalen Hurts, who played at, at Alabama as a freshman, starred at Alabama as a freshman, loses his job, doesn't transfer, comes in, wins the SEC championship in the same stadium where he lost his job the year before the Tua Tagovailoa. Goes to Oklahoma, which has got a hell of a tradition himself, itself, right. follows two Heisman right. Trophy winners, and is a Heisman runner-up. I'm just saying one guy looks built for this, and that guy is Jalen Hurts. Ooh, ouch. Say ouch if you can't say amen. Ouch. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen. Amen. Carson played great. Jalen Hurts. I didn't see that he's, punch he, coming. He's as prepared as you could be coming out of college for this set of circumstances. He's hey, just, come on, he's like, just, but, but still. Got the, he's just wired that way. I mean, that's not a shot at Carson game. Wentz, but by comparison, it's, it's, it it's one game. It is. It's one game. It was a really good game uh, that nobody really expected can. them to win. I'm not – I told – well, I didn't I, – I don't do my bet your money. I didn't pick him, but I, I remember – I think I remember it last saying this either. last week. But I remember saying this last week, like, Jalen Hurts is going to ball out. Like, I, like I didn't – this didn't surprise me that he played this way. Um, is he going to sustain it? We'll see. He can go to Arizona this week and lay an egg. But I just think he's, yeah. he's, got, he's got a makeup that lends itself to handling this pressure situation. Philadelphia ain't for everybody. And that's not an indictment of Carson Wentz. It just ain't for everybody. And we talked all was season for him. long about the number of quarterbacks. He was doing great. He was doing yeah, just fine. But that's not but that's fine. not until the, he wasn't. But that's not, right. And that's the true test is when things are going poorly in a place like Philly. Not when you're throwing 33 touchdowns and seven picks. I like Carson Wentz a lot. I do. But the list is long of quarterbacks, Michael, and we talked about them that flame out in one place for whatever reason and go somewhere else and have a phenomenal career. You, you, I, you, I'll repeat what you just said. He's got some great football ahead of him. It just may not be Philadelphia for whatever reason. Yeah, what, what's it? give me the line again. Hey, go somewhere else and be – no, what's the line? Be great oh, somewhere oh, else? Oh, go, go, go be great somewhere else, yeah. That's what you, that's go what be you great said. somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. When you terminate somebody's C employment, go be great somewhere else. C yeah. CEO friend of, of Michael Smith to his yeah. uh, employees before he lets them go. You know, 
be great somewhere else. No, man, I want to be great here. <laughs> no, you got to be great somewhere else. Speaking of great somewhere else, can I talk about there my man, go. Patrick Mahomes? Okay. Captain, you, you, you didn't think I was going to Patrick Mahomes. Can I talk about no, Patrick I Mahomes, though? But I do know, I do know that like Battleship or Connect Four or any other game, that was really just a block. That was just a block on your part. That's all, that's all that was. That was really just a block. Come on, man. You know me better you know, than that. You know I would you know have pivoted to some, some other topic as I attempt to go through 18 topics on this Monday edition of Brother from Another. You know that was you just trying to beat I, me to the punch. You were trying to beat me that. to the punch. But go ahead. Go Come ahead. On, go man. ahead. Do your thing. Do your this thing. Like, Talk about Patrick Mahomes. It's like Kyrie and KD. It's like Kyrie uh, and KD. Okay. It's a brotherhood. Okay. It's a brotherhood. We're doing something right. special I, here, man. Come on, man. We've been, try- we've been talking about this you for how years. Well I, it shocks you how well I know you, don't, doesn't it? It shocks oh, you. Oh, man, come on. Because sh- <laughs> I know that's all you were doing. That's all you were doing. You just don't want me to get to the next topic. Go ahead. Patrick Mahomes. Don't think highly Patrick enough Mahomes. of me. You don't think highly Patrick enough Mahomes. of me. Wow. That's, that's I'm waiting. No, Patrick Mahomes. That's what I'm saying. I got another topic to get to. <laughs> I, I, no. Hey, check this out. Patrick Mahomes. Yesterday, when I was thinking about the Patrick Mahomes code, we had this conversation. I don't know if you remember, Mike. Uh, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago about Mahomes and just like all the things that he does and how difficult it is to stop him. That, right. And we determined, we determined that you really can't. Well, you can. The good news is that you can. The bad news is that you better be ready to put up anywhere from uh, 31 to 40 points. Uh, like cliches exist for a reason. And then they become outdated. So uh, follow up, you know, re- repeat this cliche. You know what it is. Offense sells tickets. Defense wins championships. Defense wins Wrong. That used to be true. That used to be true. It's not true anymore. Just like, hey, if you can run the ball and stop the run in the NFL, you can win a title. That used to be true. That's not true anymore. So if Patrick Mahomes, believe it or not, Brian Flores in the Miami Dolphins, that game plan yesterday, that's the way to stop Patrick Mahomes. By the way, Kansas City won. Uh, they got up to a 28-10 to 10 lead, and then they held on for a victory. But that's the game, that, that, or 27-10, uh, to 10, I think it was. That's the game plan to stop Patrick Mahomes. He threw three interceptions yesterday. Um, you're saying it's the blueprint? Is that what you're saying? Is a blue, they gave... I mean, okay. This is it. The only okay. This Sorry, is a, this is this is the scary thing. Let me just tell you about all the scary things about Patrick Mahomes. He's got the mind of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Take your pick, whoever you like. He's got already year four. He's got Peyton's mind. He's got Brady's mind. He's got more mobility than both of them. He's got a stronger arm than both of them. Uh-huh. So the combination. He's, he's reading defenses. He's not doing it like Peyton does and like saying all these words and Omaha and, and all these directions like he's directing like some symphony. But he's, already, he's, got the, 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 uh, he's got the mental game. Mental game is tight. He's faster than Peyton, clearly, and Brady. Stronger arm than both of them. He's got weaponry around, around him just like Peyton had it for him in Indianapolis and Denver. The one thing you have to do against Patrick Mahomes is you can't play man. You get killed. He'll kill you if you play man constantly. You got to mix it up and you got to play back 
They got a playback. 25 yards so easy. off the line. Just can't give up deep passes. And you hope that's enough. Like, think about this. Brian Flores did the game plan in 2018. He did uh, two, he had two game plans against Patrick Mahomes in 2018. He had two victories. You know how many points he, he, the, the Patriots gave up? And two victories against Patrick Mahomes in 2018. 18. Kansas City and two losses averaged 35 points a game. And that's the game plan. <laughs> so you can deal with Patrick Mahomes. You can slow him down a little bit. But the fact is, forget about this ball possession. Hey, we're going to limit him. But, we're going to keep him the, off the wait, field. Wait, wait, did you just say he, they averaged 35? Yeah, and losses. losses. Kansas so City the they other part of this, this, this master plan that you think was exposed is scoring 36. I mean, it ain't At like least. the defense just out there. I mean, there, there is – listen, if you got Xavier no, 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 Howard that's, – That's what I was – but that's – you missed the whole – that was my point. My point is you can slow down Patrick Mahomes. You can slow him down. He had three interceptions yesterday. They shut him – the Patriots shut him out. One of them was, was Odell night. Beckham dressed as Xavier Howard, which I know he got nine picks this year, so that's what he, what he does, in the end zone. I believe one, if not both of the other ones, were deflected. I forget. That, that was a comet yesterday. That was a meteor. You Like – Patrick Mahomes throwing three interceptions in a game ain't gonna happen. Patrick Mahomes taking a thirty-yard sack, you know, is is once in a in, in, not even a blue moon. You know what I mean? Like they got four, what four sacks and, and four turnovers. They had one of their worst games yesterday, and yet he had a punt return, and yet he had a safety. But thirty-three points, regardless. I mean, yeah, everything you're saying sounds great, Michael, but slowing them down is just so relative. That's all I'm saying. It's like, yeah, are you really though? And are you slowing them down enough for your offense? Which, I mean, the Dolphins' sure. offense ain't exactly well, explosive. If you have Dan Marino on the other side and you hold him at 35 points, you got a chance. Listen, you got a rookie quarterback. Mike, you can talk about you can talk about tip balls or not. Like, sometimes the interceptions happen like that. It's a tip. I'm not taking anything away from the Dolphins. Route. That's not taking anything from the Dolphins. I'm simply saying that it wasn't, think, like, it wasn't like he was just confused out there and they figured him out and frustrated him. I didn't see that yesterday from what I saw. Okay, here, this is not even a hot take. This is not even a hot take. I'm just going to tell you, if it happens, if, and it's a big if, if Kansas City loses in the playoffs, it's not going to be 35 to 17. That's not happening. If they lose a game, the game they lost, it's going to be like the game they already lost this year. You know what the score was scoring that game? 41 32, something like that? Something crazy? Yeah. That's what it's going to be. That's how well, you know it's capable. You know who's way. capable of doing that? As we, you know who's capable of doing that? Josh Allen. I, I don't like the the team Ooh, that that's like a the really? team that's like a cute story that we that that we haven't really talked about much and we're not because I know we're up against a break but I, I, we do need to recognize them is that for the longest no, time you need to recognize the that's a feed item that's a feed I, I see and I see what you did too I see what you we're did. talking about the AFC playoffs oh as well, we we talked about the AFC playoffs all year as a two team mm-hmm. competition between the then undefeated Steelers. And the one loss Chiefs. Gotcha. And then the Bills last night. We're going to get to your Steelers in a second on the other side of this break. But the Bills, uh, as, as much as flawed as the Steelers are, the Bills have what it takes not just to, con- to, to keep it interesting with the Chiefs, but crazy things happen. What if the Chiefs lose before they see the Bills? Brother, the Bills could be in the Super Bowl. Why, I want why you to you expand on what? this. I can't say it on TV. They could be in the Super Bowl. I want you to expand on this. I want to hear this. I want to hear this they about Buffalo. Know. No, I'm moving on to something else on the other side. What? Already? Come on, man. (laughs) 
You trying to prove a point now. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I'm doing. See? Come on. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Sunday night, the push for the playoffs continues as Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns head to New York to take on the Giants Sunday night, 7 Eastern, only on NBC. So that's next Sunday, but the Browns have a bit of business tonight. Browns-Ravens, I said earlier in the season, the last time they got curb stomped by a contender, they lost the opener. They lost the opener to Baltimore. Yeah. Then they lost. Then they got curb stopped by Pittsburgh after they had that great yeah. start. And I was like, "Don't talk to me about the Browns. Do not talk to me about the Browns the rest of the year." And then they beat the Colts. Oh, excuse me. They beat the um, the Titans when uh, when Baker went off in the first half. And I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, okay, all right, maybe maybe, maybe there's something here." Um, so they have my attention. They have my attention. Um. But I need to see something from them against Baltimore. Um, Baltimore's had a funky stretch. Cleveland, I mean, even I got Steve Kornacki last night uh, pointing out the, how tighter, how much tighter the division is now. It could be a Week 17 game in Cleveland for the AFC North between the Steelers and Browns. Or the North. Before we get there, Michael the Holly. Tonight, Tonight's the night. Shout out to Betty Wright. Tonight is the night that for me – the Browns grow up. Like, if, they, if, they for, if they're for real about their life, they are this for is real. the one against Baltimore, against a team that more or less owns them. They got to show me something tonight. Like, I mean, I, I, great game against Tennessee. Great game against Tennessee. Legit team. But I'm talking about, like, contender. Not just, are oh, we going to make the playoffs for once. In, you know, in forever. What's, when was the last time I made the playoffs? I don't, I don't even remember. It's like, 2002. Oh, yeah. thank you. Butch Davis. Yeah. We, so we're going we to make the playoffs for the first time in almost 20 years type good. I mean, like, no, we're actually a force to be reckoned with with this running game, with this confident young quarterback who's great at his postseason, uh, postgame quote references are fantastic. You know, that, that I need to see what they're about tonight against a, a desperate Desperate Baltimore Ravens team. Then right. I might, I might be a bring believer. on a desperate. Then I might be, then I might, then I might be a believer for Cleveland. No, I think you should be a believer now. Okay, in the in the uh, yes, the last one they made the playoffs is two thousand two. They haven't won a playoff game in twenty five years. Coach that day, Bill Belichick. So it's been a long time for the Cleveland Browns. But you know what? Everybody has done the mistake. 
that a lot of people have made. And it's accurate, but it's a mistake because we're, we're conflating two different things. So people will talk about the journey of Cleveland. I see lots of stories about this and how they lost the Browns and to Baltimore and, uh, you know, Art Modell and Bill Belichick and all this stuff. And they've had a dozen coaches that pretty much had a coach every other year since they came back to Cleveland, which is this mind boggling every other year to get a new coach. Yep. So all those things, but people don't talk about the number one reason the Cleveland Browns will win the game tonight and will be in position to win the AFC North. Oh, I got, I got, wait, let me guess. 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 I didn't hear. Yeah. Oh wait. Is it one player or is it just one? No, it's not one player. It's, no, it's a bunch oh, of okay. players. They, oh, so, oh, so they, what it, the what reason. All those, all those conversations about the Browns and how pathetic they've been and the winless seasons and one in 31, they didn't have the players to get well, the job done. So they were, okay, they well, were, well, let's be, let's they be were fully managed. They should have the I'm players. Saying, all okay, the damn high picks they got over the years. By the time they got the players, they should have, but they it didn't. took them long but enough no, to get them. The point, okay, great, but they didn't. They missed a lot of those. <laughs> I know what they, they were drafted. Not only did they miss. They were hoarding yeah. picks. Remember Un that whole thing? Yeah. Understatement. Understatement. Yeah. They missed from the first quarterback coming back to Cleveland, Tim Couch. They missed on a lot of draft choices. Or the people that they didn't bad, uh, Yes, yes. Long a lot of bad decisions. In the draft. Yeah. But now, this is, why, this is why I expect them to beat Baltimore. I'll be surprised if they don't. They're better than Baltimore. They are, they are a more talented team then the Baltimore there Ravens. Go. There you go again with that. Didn't that didn't that, well, didn't that bite you in the butt once before? Didn't that bite you in the butt it, once before? Okay, most of the time, you you'll agree with me. It, it's not foolproof. There are exceptions. Most of the time, especially in the league that you're talking about in the NBA, talent equals competition. Being like being playing for championships. Like they, you know, untalented teams generally are in the lottery talented teams are in the playoffs in the NBA. How about this? But How about this? Let's not let's not let's not waste time debating this. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. Since you, since you didn't you took off Friday, you didn't get your little you didn't scratch your little gambling itch last week. All right? How about this? Let's put something on it. Let's make tonight interesting. I got Baltimore. You riding with Cleveland. Let's really? make interesting. How about that? Oh my God! I, I, I thought it was sure. I, yeah, no problem. I mean, I'm sorry. That was my way. When I said they need to show me something, that was basically my way of saying I believe in Baltimore. Like I got. The now, I don't know why. I don't know why Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore. This is this is not the year. Baltimore has got too many issues uh, this okay. year. Too many problems. Okay. And I believe I believe they're easier to defend than ever before. Okay. And the Browns oh, have an problem. identity now. Not only do they have Are talent, they've got this? an identity. Are we getting all this on tape? It's going to be great. Get it all. It's going to be it great all. to play back tomorrow. With that little lame quote at the bottom, all that, that's going to be great. That's going to be great to run back tomorrow okay. when the Ravens do what they do and get back What's in the that? playoff race. And what is that? And what what do the they rounds. do? What do they do exactly? They're, they're, they're there at the end, as a wise man once said. They're, they're there at the okay. end. Okay. Um, Meanwhile, but no, I, I think, but but just very very simply, I think the, I yeah. think the uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski is going to be the coach of the year. I think he's done a good job of just figuring out. Look, I know you drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. We are a running team. Baker can throw when we need him to, as he did last week against yes. Tennessee. But yeah. ultimately, we got a good offensive line. We got a good attack. We're going to run the ball. The GM uh, and, and the we're going to win Andrew games. Andrew Barry, 
Andrew Barry's a gym, the youngest gym in the league. Andrew right? Barry. Yeah, he's done it. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job. Um, but you are not worried about your Steelers. No. Just, just real quick on the on the North, you're not worried about the Steelers. The no. I'm not. Am I worried about Steelers? them? I'm not worried about them. This no. is this is That's what I'm. Not okay. To here, run. Here's the tricky thing with the Steelers. Like I told you before, but they they they. They haven't changed the issue. The, it, the, the problem is right before them. The problem is solvable. It's fixable. But will they take the time to fix it? There are two things. One of them, I don't think they can't run the ball, even though they haven't run the ball very well in about five or six weeks. They won't run weeks. the ball? They won't commit to a running game. They won't commit to it. Just commit to it. You got to go in and run the ball, but to you think set it's up- a combination of the two? You think maybe it's a combination? Maybe they don't want to because they're not good at it, or that's not, or they don't think that that's the no, best they, way for them to- They were really in. good at it. Mike, they were good at it through like seven or eight weeks. Six, they were yeah, really good, six, six, yeah. and then it fell off. I know uh, Connor uh, had some injuries, but he was back. Pouncey was back yesterday. Uh, pretty pathetic performance on the ground. But, but the major issue with Pittsburgh, to me, and Ben Roethlisberger said it last night. He said, I got to look in the mirror. It starts with me. Now, you can say, of course he's going to say that. That sounds good. It plays well. But I think they he's got to. But I think he's got to. I think he's got to look at it and say, all right, I'm the veteran on this team. Nobody's going to stand. Who, who stands up to Ben Roethlisberger now? Who's going to stand up to him? Other than Tomlin. So, and, and, and Tomlin, maybe sometimes, sometimes, yeah. sometimes. I think I think Roethlisberger has got to just bring this group together and say, all right, this is who we're going to be. Once again, identity. We got to get our identity back. We can't. We're not going to be a, a a solely a passing team. That's not going to work for us. So yeah, am I worried? They're eleven and two. They just came off a stretch where they played three games in twelve days. And they lost two of those games. I, I think this is the floor. I wish this is the floor simple. because even, because even when they were running off victories, there were some flaws and some weaknesses that were visible, but had yet to be exposed to the tune of a loss. They won. won yeah, okay, that's great. That's great. Okay, that's great. But it, only now can you look at a, a loss and say, "Hey, we'll get it together." I, I just that's not a team I trust come playoff time. The way they're good playing, teams like, win ugly games. And, uh, Good teams and that is when not a reflection on how I feel about Mike Tomlin or the career of Ben Roethlisberger or the potential of some of these young players. I'm just not a believer that this team come playoff time, uh, especially. Listen, it doesn't look, it doesn't get any easier the rest of the way. I think I think they're down to a five percent chance of getting the number one seed, if I'm not mistaken, based on the right. remaining schedules for them and the Chiefs. They got a five percent chance of getting number one seed, which is huge because now they might as well be a wild card. Yeah, they'll get a home game, but they got to play three games instead of getting to buy the way it used to be. Uh, this team went in, went in three games and maybe having to go to Kansas City when it's all said and done? I don't see it. Um, well, hey, I do listen, get, as, Mike, as, yeah. as Mike Tomlin said at his poetry slam, yeah. we make no it's excuses. Poetry. You like that seek one. no comfort. I love it. Identity. Love it. It's my favorite quote of I, the year. Identity, the subject of identity. Uh, as you know, uh, the Cleveland baseball team will no longer be identified uh, as the Indians, New York Times yeah. uh, reported that they've uh, it was always under review, had been for a while, but um, they are moving away uh, from that moniker. 
which has long been criticized as racist, uh, not as racist, except, not the epithet. Except that, they're going to use it Washington, in 2021, which is They're going to use it in 21. It's not quite as bad as Washington football team. It's not anywhere as bad as what the Washington football team used to be called. But nonetheless, they're going to use it in 21, work out the logistics or whatever that is, and uh, we'll see what the name is in 2022. I agree with you because if they went with the baseball team, I just mentioned the football team, nobody would blame them. Um, it just, it feels, it. I, I get that there's a lot of moving parts. I get that there's a lot of moving mm-hmm. parts, but it does feel like, well, if, look at that. if you're going to change it, what are you waiting on? Yeah, look, Chief Wahoo, look at, you know, look it, looks at 1947. Worse, it looks worse and worse. Yeah, it look looks at worse 47. and worse. Um, they used to be called the Spiders. If they, if they wanted to go yeah. back to the original name and the Spiders, I mean, that would be, that feel like that would be fairly easy to do. They already removed Chief Wahoo from yeah. their jerseys and their hats. So I, I'm not quite sure why dropping the Indians um, along from the typical, uh, aside from the typical excuses, is actually that hard. My, my question is, is okay, and I, and I was reading about this earlier, once the Washington football team dropped the R word, now it was like, now I, the, the focus was on the Indians, the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks, the Chiefs, the Braves, the Seminoles, even these organizations that purport to be honoring Native American heritage. Nonetheless, people are like, nah, that's not cool. So I just wonder, we just finished talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the Atlanta Braves. We talked to Dave Roberts earlier, you know, Atlanta Braves, Major League Baseball. I mean, you know, I grew up a Seminoles and a Braves fan. I grew up doing a Tomahawk chop. Those are those between yeah. my, fav- my favorite college football team was the Florida State Seminoles. My favorite baseball team was the Atlanta Braves. You know, um, I wonder if these teams are very far behind when it comes to uh, renaming their teams as well. Not as overtly racist as what Washington used to be called, but nonetheless inappropriate. Well, uh, number one, before I get to, you know, my story with the former Cleveland Indians, uh, there's an easy name. Uh, You you said Cleveland Spiders. Uh, There's an easier name, Cleveland Buckeyes. Cleveland Buckeyes, that was the name of the Negro League team in Cleveland. So you think about this. The Buckeyes make so much sense. Uh, does Ohio know about the Buckeyes? I, I believe so. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, it is a, it's a, it has a historical tie-in. In marketing, it rolls right off the tongue. The Cleveland Buckeyes, that's what I would say. But I grew up, uh, as you know, Mike, I grew up in, in Akron, Ohio, about 30 miles south of Cleveland. Uh, that was my team. Uh, the Cleveland Indians were my team. And when I was rooting for them, they were terrible. And I remember listening to the games on the radio, and all you could hear was a drum beating uh, in old municipal stadium. Had about 70,000-plus for baseball, and they have seven to 8,000 people in the stands, more mosquitoes than people uh, in the stands <laughs> at Cleveland Stadium. And that was, like, that was part of the existence. And even then, even then, uh, late 80s, early 90s, I still remember... When they moved from Cleveland Stadium to, uh, to, at that time, Jacobs Field in 1994, I remember covering stories for the Boston Globe, Mike, in Cleveland and walking past protesters mm. in 1994, talking yeah. about that name oh, and saying, going hey, we got to get rid time. of this. It's been for, happening I mean, for a long is, time. Yeah. And, yeah. and what I want to know is, what, why now? And I'm not complaining. I just want to know. Just, just conversationally. I'm not criticizing. I think, I think we know why. I think we know why. I mean, it's why it's, now? Because you, you could apply. Washington you could apply money. why now across. Well, right. But it's whether it's money, 
whether it's society, whether it's, uh, you know, attitudes, whatever it is, like everybody's having to come to terms uh, during this this time of quote unquote reckoning that we're talking about. So it might be, you know, uh, positions atop an organizational chart. It might be team name. It might be mascot. It might be policy. There's a whole lot of things, you know, it, it, it might be it might be company policy, network policy, whatever the case may be. There's a hell of a lot of things that I ask the question, why now for? I find myself all the time asking, if Black Lives Matter now, why didn't they matter, you know, three, four, 40 years ago? You know what I mean? Right. Like, why now? So I, I 100% hear where you're coming from. But I guess I just fall on the old saying, and I guess it's never too late to do the right thing, and they should be changing it simply because it's the right thing. I love to see these other teams, and I respect the glorious history but I would love to see these other teams do it without being pressured to do it, without it, without it and being I'm, a situation and, and, where and somebody's so looking at that. the Seminoles or the Braves or whatever. Just do it because it's the right thing. I'm so glad you mentioned the glorious history. So when I think about the Cleveland Indians and some of, and some of my memories, some of my favorite memories with a not team too, that not wasn't too glorious. great. Not too glorious. But, but still. They were, but they were still. great in Major League, though. They were great in Major yeah, League. Yeah. The whole country I loved them in Major enjoyed, League. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, when, when I was one of the one of my corporal punishment moments in grade school <laughs> happened because up I late. kept signing my papers. I said, no, I kept saying to my teachers, don't call me Michael. They'll call me Michael. Call me Julio Franco, Holly. Julio Franco. <laughs> so it was cute for a while. It was cute. Because I had Julio, I had the batting stance. Julio used to hold the bat way up over his head. Number 14. Uh he was a terrible shortstop. They moved him to second base. Okay, the whole thing. But I yeah. loved Julio. That, that's not going to change. I remember oh. uh, great conversations with my grandmother over the Cleveland Indians. And she would not, she would not say the name Jose Mesa after he blew a save in 1997 <laughs> against the Marlins in the World Series. She wouldn't say his name anymore. Yeah. I used to dig him in the 90s. Name. I, I love I so, the Lofton so it's from, Bell but Cleveland does that games, yeah. that history does not change? The history is not changing. The history the history is still there, Mike. Uh, the name changes. I, I wonder how memories. many people in Washington, when they look up and they see a first place team right now, are like oh, I really wish they would call those that racist word again. Yeah, I don't care. It's like you know your team is successful. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's the organization. Right. Uh, yeah, let's sneak in this break. Um, we got some more stuff to cover on the other side. You sleeping on how efficient I'm being today. I'm, I'm Kevin Durant like with this efficiency, just so you know. But you're not it's you're not doing it in the floor of the game, though. You're just doing it for yourself. Yes, I totally am. Team. I totally am. No, you're not doing I'm, it for the trust team. Trust me. It's not for the trust, team. Watch the film. Watch the film. Watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, 
I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Get so excited! The new original series, Saved by the Bell, is streaming now exclusively on Peacock. Bayside is back with new students, new stories, and some very familiar faces. Start streaming now. Great to be on this morning. Thank you for having me. The only date in the Constitution is January 20th. So we have more than enough time to right the wrong of this fraudulent election result and certify Donald Trump as the winner of the election. As we speak today, an alternate slate of electors in the contested states is going to vote and we're going to send those results up to Congress. This will ensure that all of our legal remedies remain open. That means that if we win these cases in the courts, that we can direct that the alternate slate of electors be certified. The state legislatures in Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania can do the same. And likewise, Congress has that opportunity as well to do the right thing. If you just cured three simple constitutional defects, Donald Trump's the winner of this election. Whether it's the signature matching in Georgia that was illegally changed as a result of the consent decree without the legislature's approval, or whether it's the hundreds of thousands of improperly cast ballots in Wisconsin, absentee voters who never actually submitted the request for an absentee ballot, or whether you're talking in Pennsylvania, the clear equal protection violation when Democrat ballots were cured in advance of Election Day and Republican ballots weren't. These are just three of hundreds of violations that we've documented, and those three violations alone make Donald Trump the winner of the 2020 election. Stephen Miller got one word right, Michael, and that's alternate, because that's an alternate reality he's living in. Yeah, because in the real world, all right, uh, today the Electoral College uh, is meeting. The electors are casting their votes formally. Uh, Joe Biden is approaching 270. We all know the, uh, the final number was 306 to 232. Not expecting any faithless electors to do anything crazy, but everything he just said, everything you just said is, <laughs> I wish I could cut some time on this show, but everything yeah. Stephen Miller just said is BS. But let me, let me tell you what's real BS about this whole situation. It's just that, you know, I think about that phrase, that people often throw out, that elections have consequences. And a lot of times we say it in the moment uh, and, and, and thereafter um, until the next election. But what we're, what we're seeing play out and what we've seen, Michael, is that the 2016 election continues to have consequences and reverberate during and beyond the traditional, quote-unquote, peaceful transition to power. And I think I told you, we've been focusing on the peaceful part, which we'll get to in a second, but yeah. Trump's got no designs on any kind of transition of anything. Whether he's in the White House or not, he's going to hold on to as much power and authority with the Republican Party as he can, which brings me to just my, my major observation this weekend in watching the Supreme Court throw out the frivolous lawsuit, a lawsuit in name only, because they're up to almost 60 losses in court with no evidence Yet. I mean, at some point, you go to court, you got to bring evidence. So the, so the Supreme Court throws out the lawsuit from Texas and the 18 attorneys general and the 126 GOP House Republicans um, who 
decided to sign on with this lawsuit. You got people suggesting, uh, I think the GOP guy of Arizona is like, oh, you know, be ready to die uh, for this cause of, of, of Trump, Trump, President Trump uh, remaining in the White House. And then uh, talk of, uh, of, of secession being thrown around. The truth of the matter is, Michael, the Republican Party has seceded in ideology, has long since seceded ideologically from the rest of us. People often talk about there being two Americas. We're all, at this point, we're not Americans. There are Americans and then there are Republicans. And yes, I'm intentionally painting with I don't a know. broad I don't brush know I when I say that. I don't agree. I'm, well, I don't, I, I don't need you to agree. I'm telling you right now, there is a, there is a, 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 a the, the numbers are alarming of people who do not view this election and President-elect Biden's election as legitimate within the Republican Party. This, it's alarmingly high. We live in two right. different worlds is what I'm saying right now. And when your elect, Republican elected officials are, are committing an act of treason right now, and are, and are working and are signing on with this farce to destroy our democracy, that's un-American to me. In my opinion, that's un-American. So I, there are Americans here, and then there are Republicans. I don't know who, I don't know who's watching or who's listening, where you fall in, but if you fall in line with what's going on with, with, with the president saying it's not over and continue to try to challenge the election, who knows what else he's got up his sleeve, even though today right. is a day where it's certified by the Electoral College. If you're on that side, you're not an American as far as I'm concerned. I don't care what your citizenship says. Yeah, I think that's tough. I, I, I can't go that far. My, um, I just look at a few things here, a few things with what Stephen Miller said. One, the argument that he's making there on TV, they have refused to make in court. So they haven't made that argument in court. <laughs> they haven't. They just haven't. They got nothing to back it up with. They, they just, yeah, like they, they make that outside of the court. true. <laughs> and, it, and so I think it's, I think it's unfortunate. I think it's, uh, it's deceptive to do that. And they know they have great influence. They have uh, millions of people who, who listen to them, who follow them. And so you're doing something outside of the courtroom that you wouldn't dare bring into the court because then it goes away. That's one. Two. In a lot of cases, you've asked people who are who are on your side to step in and kind of overthrow or to decertify, so to speak, the election. I mean, is there going to be another recount in Georgia? Are we going to go to four now? I mean, how many how many recounts can you do in Georgia? How many times can you go to Brian Kemp and say, "Hey, what can you do for me?" And what I'm saying is that there are people there are people who are Republicans who are supporters of Donald Trump, but he has moved away from them once they won't do, won't, once they won't go that extra step. He looks at them as enemies. I would look at it this way. It's very simple. And, it's, and, and they have, we've all, not, I shouldn't say we've all, if you've been around long enough, you've been on the, you've been on the winning side of this, you've been on the losing side of this. So, there was incredible political engagement in 2020. There are 239 million Americans who were eligible to vote. Roughly 65% of them did. Donald Trump got about 75 million votes. Joe Biden got about 81, 82 million votes. That's great engagement. He lost. He lost. And that's, the, tell, that's what our tell system, that to, that's our system. Tell, tell, 
Tell that to the pro-Trump, and this is this is what pisses me off. Tell I that know, to the pro-Trump demonstrators in D.C. Tell that to the people he told to stand back and stand by I know. who are vandalizing and burning churches in D.C. Because I just want to know, whatever happened to love it or leave it? Because, see, when we say give me liberty, when we say black, black lives matter, and we peacefully protest, it's a problem. We don't love America. But these people who are condoning this anti-democratic course of action, when they say give me liberty or give me death, or when they say the election is rigged, okay, we just let that fly. It's just, I'm sick of the hypocrisy, and I'm, and I'm, not, and I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not, yes, okay, yeah, are there some people who got religion too little, too late? Sure. But when I started off by saying elections have consequences, talking about 2016, this is what we signed up for as a country. Whether Russia yeah. interfered or not, we allowed their interference to be successful. This is what we signed up for as a country in 2016. This is the person who we hitched our wagon to as president. So everything he's doing right now doesn't come as a surprise to most people. Uh, well, we do it have doesn't a come as a surprise. This is, why, this is why we shouldn't have stayed late. Make this last point because we do got to sink this last break in. So go ahead. You get the last word. One last thing. <laughs> no, no, serious. I'm serious. For real. This, this is the last thing uh, I, I'll say about this. Is that I could take it seriously, Mike. I would listen to it if it hadn't been telegraphed from like 75 yards away, maybe last, last December. Like you can't, like, that, that's the comedy of it. That's the unintentional comedy of what we're going through right now. What Donald Trump was asked right. in December of 2019, if you lose the election, will you concede? Well, the only, re only way I'd lose is if the thing is rigged. He kept saying it. Oh, it's rigged. It's rigged. And then yeah. before no, the election. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him at this point. See, everybody, I'm talking about the people who are like, he should even, even, even Lamar Alexander, he should put the country first. That's not who he is. This is what you get right. when you elect somebody who only thinks about himself. It's not about him, Michael. You're right. My we saw this, coming, we saw this coming. It's everybody we else. We saw this but coming. But it's from everybody else. No, we, not, from not, from, cover not from House Republicans. Not from House Republicans. Journalistically, That's the journalistically Mike, we should not cover this like it's a news story. Because you can't cover something, a news story, that has been predicted uh, for about a year. It's not a news story. Okay. It is a... Uh, Great. So... It's a ruse. <laughs> if you're talking about his press conferences, that's fine. But all right. Meanwhile, there are demonstrations turning violent, people getting stabbed because they don't believe the election is legitimate. But okay, not news. Why we always wait till the end to have these conversations? Man, I got so much uh, comic book nerding out I want to do before we left. Uh, we got a black Batman on a, in the DC universe, Timothy Fox, uh, Lucius Fox's son, about to be a black Batman. That's going to be awesome. But in the Marvel Good. universe, Kevin Feige uh, at uh, Disney Investors Day. So I don't know if you saw all this, Michael. You got Secret Wars with Samuel L. Jackson. You got Ironheart coming out, Armor Wars with War Machine and Don Cheadle. Uh, you got a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Another Fantastic Four movie. They're going to get this right before it's all said and done. Uh, a third Ant-Man film. Um, we have... Um, Good movies, by the way. Ant-Man. Th oh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Christian Bale is going to be uh, in, in Thor, Love and Thunder. We had the trailers for Falcon and Winter Soldier. And Loki on Disney+, Plus, which look incredible. But I think the biggest news, and we've been talking about this quite a bit, Mike, and I'm sure I'm leaving something out, 
was that was uh, they decided not to recast T'Challa uh, for Black Panther, which I think you had been advocating for, if I'm not mistaken, to not, yeah, to I not did. recast it. Yeah, and so I, I wonder how they, so now how's the story going to be told now? What happens if they're not hey, going to recast T'Challa? Ryan Coogler's a genius for a reason, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so what, what, I don't know. what happened to him? I don't know. Right? I, it's, it's, I mean, the last, when we were last in Wakanda, we saw T'Challa. He was there, and then he went back to Oakland. He was going to open a center there in Oakland, and science and technology, and everybody was around there, yeah. on the basketball court and all that stuff. So what happened? Or, or we will find out. Stay tuned. I guess to go to a different <laughs> realm. Like you, now that you know that he's not being recast, you mm-hmm. still have the same feeling about it. Do you say, yeah, they probably should have? I still trust. I still trust Kevin Feige. I still trust Ryan Coogler. I trust the cast. I, M, the MCU can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I, I thought MCU, they do it. I, but the MCU did uh, do Thor: Dark World, right? <laughs> Why you gotta do? Why you, what you gotta do that for? Come on. Why you gotta, is, why is you gotta do that? Come on, come on. That was it. Come on. It's not a top five or top ten even, but okay. That's you know. Or top fifteen. Can't be top. Everything okay. can't be top five, top ten. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that sometimes. Dark world on the slip. Without the dark world, without the dark world, you don't get Fat Thor telling them to stop calling it. A stone. It's actually an angry sludge, so you need to stop calling it that. And then the ether went inside yeah. her. You don't get that moment without the dark world. So it, it served a so purpose, had, did it not? We had to, we had <laughs> to go through the dark world just for that moment. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I choose to look at it. That's the way I choose to look at it. Right. But no, there was some incredible stuff. Have you watched the trailer for Captain America? Uh, I mean, sorry for Winter Soldier and the Falcon, and and for and for Loki on Disney Plus. Oh my gosh, I'm not. It is, I'm not. Oh, man. Okay. Just take the boys, and Ava for that matter, and, and watch these trailers and just nerd out. It's incredible. Um, See, Ava's hey, not man, into it. Good job yet. today. Oh, no. It's good. Now, you, uh, did, you hit, did you hit 15 or 18 from the field? 16 18? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Hey, man. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, I want my money tomorrow, <laughs> though. Go Browns. Oh. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.